For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. Welcome to Your Next Step. I'm Pastor Doug McCoy. I'm with Pastor Doyle Jackson. We're both yeah. from the church next door. Pastor Doyle, a couple weeks ago, I sent you a picture that I uh, I took at the mall. It was a t-shirt that said, uh, all about the weekend. Oh, really? And I told you, I said, this means something different for me and you than it means for most other people. It does, because normally uh, it's, it's our on time, not our off time. Yeah, this is when we're in high gear on the weekend. And we'd like to invite our listeners, our friends out there to come and join us this weekend. We're at the church next door. 5755 Fetter Road. We have services Saturday night, 5 p.m., Sunday, 9, 20, and 11. We'd love to see folks in person. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's a lot of times people don't want to visit. They're, they're, they're nervous about visiting a church. You know, it's a new place and everything. What I love about the world today is you can watch online. You can get to know us a little bit. And then... Just come on over, and we'd love to meet you. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no reason to be nervous, because as Pastor Joel no. says, or we'd love to meet you. Uh, now, were you nervous when you talked to is it is it Doctor Albert Mahler? Yeah, it is. He he's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. It's it's the flagship seminary for the Southern Baptist Convention. And, and to be honest, I didn't know Doctor Mahler. Okay. I didn't I didn't know that much about him. Uh, since meeting him, I've become a follower of his his daily briefing. I love when he goes through and kind of talks about what's going on in the world today. He's a really uh, impressive man. He loves God. And, uh, well, get to know him with me today as uh, I interview him. I would love to hear what, what prompted you to start the briefing and how long has it been going on? Well, it's been going on for more than a decade uh, daily, you know, five days a week. And uh, it really grew out of a national radio program that I did live for about a decade. Okay. And uh, Monday through Friday, drive time. And it was really about the Christian worldview. And uh, live radio was a, it was a live adventure, I can tell you. Yeah. Because, uh, you, you know, and, and we had callers who called in. Mm-hmm. So we would uh, take an issue and, uh, and just talk it through for about an hour. Yeah. But at the beginning of every day's program, I did about an 11-minute segment just reviewing many of the issues being talked about that day. Yeah. And it turned out that that was the most popular part of the program. That's right. People so, want to know how yeah. to apply the, the Word of God to everyday yeah. life and what's going on in their world. And So the briefing is just taking that 11-minute segment, making it about twice as long, and uh, doing that every day. So how has it changed over the last 12 years? Like, mm-hmm. um, what have you learned about what's going on in our culture? Because you're, you're, you're being intentional about it every day. Right. What's shifting in our culture? Yeah, you know, the issues are getting darker. And uh, I'll, I'll give you one very practical aspect of this. That's great. One practical aspect is I have uh, listeners to the briefing that range from, say, 10-year-olds in the backseat mm-hmm. to uh, 80-year-olds. Okay. Okay, now, this, there's some issues. I have to remind myself there are 10- and 12-year-olds in the backseat. That used to be a fairly rare occurrence that yeah. I would have to think about that. It's not rare anymore. 
And so I now just have to think all the time about how am I going to talk about this? Well, saying enough that Christians will know what I'm talking about, and, and I That's can get right. to the core issue. But at the same time, I don't want to, you know a parent to wreck the car trying yeah. to turn the volume down. And so those, those issues have just turned darker, and they've turned you know, more common. It, it's, I mean, if you just look at people um, talking about these things in the national media and reporting on them, it's, it's almost daily. Well, when I graduated from seminary, I went to mm-hmm. Gordon-Conwell. Yeah. Uh, when I graduated from seminary, it was 1991, yeah. and kind of really the, the tactic at that time among evangelical Christianity was, well, let's not try to tick anybody off. Let's try to you know, focus on the gospel, mm-hmm. go down the mainstream. And that seems to me now to be kind of problematic and almost unbiblical, Right. If we don't address the culture, is that is that a fair assessment of what's gone on over the last yeah, 30, 40 uh, years? My uh, intellectual formation as a Christian was more influenced by people like Francis Schaeffer, mm-hmm. uh, who saw a greater antagonism uh, between the church and the world, but still wanted the church to be very, and Christians to be very much engaged in the culture. Uh, I think in retrospect, by the way, if you just take the, the great tectonic plates of the culture. I think both mm-hmm. conservatives and liberals, uh, not even to Christians yet, just conservatives and liberals misread the 90s. Yeah. And so conservatives thought we were gaining ground in the 90s. Now we know we lost massive ground in the 90s. Uh, and, you know, uh, the left thought they were losing ground in the 90s. And, and now we know they were actually gaining ground in the 90s. So all that to say that in that period you're talking about, yeah. uh, both sides misread where we would come out at the end. And conservatives, and and that means so many conservative Christians came out at the end of the 90s recognizing our challenge is so much bigger than we thought it was. And uh, that's when the left actually dove even deeper into identity politics and so many other things because they were pretty sure they had the wind at their backs. Yeah, I I agree. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, at least from a conservative Christian, from my perspective, if that was yeah. conservative Christian, you know, we kind of felt we'd won the the war over the Bible's God's word and it's got authority, right. you know, right. and and they just kind of we just kind of hung out with ourselves and we didn't continue the conversation about the Bible. And now we turn around today, mm-hmm. and and we have a huge uh, vacuum inside right. the church and outside the church when it comes to the authority of the Word of God. And, and our worldview. Yeah, I think a lot of Christians, I think frankly most people, so Christians aren't unique in this, I think most people have very little idea of how society works and how societal change takes place. Mm-hmm. Because we tend to think that societal change is going to come with an announcement up front. You know, this is what we're going to do. And, uh, and yet it, it's true now that we understand, and, and by the way, both sides pretty much understand this, that social change is really most detectable backwards. And, uh, and, and so... You have to look at what's actually happening in the, the kind of the sediments of the culture. And so if we look back now, what was going on in the 90s was this culture of autonomous individualism was really reaching its absolute apex. And so no one in the 1990s could have said, if you feel like a woman, you are one if you're biologically male. <laughs> but the ideas that gave birth to what would become this massive transgender challenge they were very present in the 90s. They were just packaged as, you know, self-affirmation, self-esteem, mm-hmm. personal autonomy. And so looking backwards, that's, that's where all this comes from. Yes. So you, you said we misread the 90s. Right. As we were going through it, do you think we're misreading something right now that you would warn us from your vantage point uh, 
that we need to know about? Yeah, I, I, I think I do, but I, I'm going to say that that's a hypothesis that you know, will have to be tested. So someone's going to have agree. to find out whether I'm right or wrong. I think the, the biggest missing, say, intellectual link for most Christians right now and conservatives is social velocity. And that's the speed with which change takes place in a society. Yes. And I think we are now at a level of social velocity that's higher than most people recognize. Mm. And I think, look, there's some reasons why. There's, a, there, there's certain crucibles. Uh, I think the, the politics of the last 10 years have been a part of that increased velocity. I think mm-hmm. COVID was a part of the increased velocity. I mean, look at how much social change took place just during the context of COVID. And, and yeah. they learned they could change us. If, Absolutely. If they learned they could order us around. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we submitted for the most part, you know, we, we lined up, you know. Right. And, and, and that is because we mm-hmm. were also conditioned to believe that those in authority had our best interest at heart. That's right. You know, in other words, there's a lot of we going on here. That's right. Uh, and, 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 you know, if, if our parents were speaking to us, you know, I was raised in the 1960s in particular, that's what my parents would have told us to do. Yeah. You honor the ones in authority. They, they, yeah. they are, they're trustworthy. That's you, know, right. you know, whether it's Roosevelt or Eisenhower, they're going to defend justice. That's and, right. uh, you know, they may differ on politics, but they're going to keep the U.S. safe. Yeah. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was a different age. So the velocity or the speed of that society is, yeah. is moving. It took 300 years to eradicate the slave trade. Yeah. It took about 15 years to reverse same-sex marriage opposition. Yeah. I mean, the movement formally to legalize same-sex marriage was like a 15- to 20-year project. Stunningly successful. That's a, I mean, I just feel like what's gone on mm-hmm. in the last 15 years with smartphones. Yeah. You know, and what I'm dealing with as a local pastor in terms of the challenges of communicating today, right. it's so much more complex than previous ages. And right. Yeah. So what do you what do you let's let's pivot to the church, okay? What concerns you most about what's going on in the church? But also I want to I want to have the second question, which what gives you hope? Because I don't want to leave there with yeah. just the dark side. Well, I'm, uh, you know, my academic training is in systematic and historical theology. The church historian in me wants to say the church is always facing a crisis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you might look at the interregnum of, say, you know, period from 500 to 1500 and during the medieval period. It has challenges then, but the society wasn't changing much. Yeah. But whenever the society is changing, whether it's the fall of Rome mm-hmm. uh, or it is, the, you know, the rise of the modern age and the Industrial Revolution and, and all the rest— um, Whenever history is changing, the church faces real challenges because, you know, in, in our conception, mm-hmm. the, one of the most dangerous ideas is that whatever is new is better than what came before it, this That's inevitability of progress. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just want to say in, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the church facing difficulties, yep, that's pretty much what the church is called to do until Jesus comes. I am most concerned about the fact that uh, I think most Christians assume we are in a situation of some kind of stability when I don't believe we are at all. And I don't believe they actually believe that if they think about it. Yeah. But, you know, you can, you can kind of, uh, to use uh, Charles Taylor's uh, term, you can kind of buffer yourself in this world. If you have enough mm-hmm. money, then and you can kind of buffer yourself from all of this. But you know what? Your kids are not buffered. They arrive at a college campus, they are not buffered. 
Yeah. They are buffeted. That's right. Uh, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I talk to people and they say, you know, I really don't see much of this. Well, they just spent, you know, five days in a row playing a full round of golf. Yeah. No wonder they don't feel anything. They have, they've bought themselves into a position where they don't have to worry about these things. Well, if they care about their grandkids, they better be very concerned about that's these right. things. That's right. That's yeah. right. So I, th- I think that the, the greatest concern I have right now, and of course, it's all the giant theological issues, uh, maintaining the faith once we're all delivered to the saints, uh, that's the perpetual challenge to the church. But I'm most concerned about, I think, what is a misreading about our current moment. Okay, and the other question is, what gives you hope right now when you look at the church? We have more resources for you at doylejackson.com. We will be right back with more Your Next Step. Pastor Doyle, we have a great free resource we want to share with our friends. It is a copy of your great message, Great Hope, The Cross. This is going to be a PDF digital download. If they go to DoyleJackson.com, give us their email, it'll be sent to them. What is the value of having that message on uh, PDF as well as hearing it through the radio? Well, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, number one, we learn things best when we get to see them, when we get to hear them, and somehow when we get to be kinetically involved with them, we get our hands involved. And and that's what we want our our friends to do, because you're partnering with us, you're listening, and, and we want to give this to you. And then I'm praying that you'll pray this prayer out loud. That's part of this lesson. Uh, we go through in this lesson the, the eight things that Christ provided on the cross. He provided forgiveness. He provided healing. He provided righteousness. I'm not going to give you all eight right now. Right. You got to go right. and get it because if you begin to pray that aloud over your life, it'll transform the way you think about Jesus and the way you think about yourself because it transforms us to confess that aloud. We're beginning to engage with what God is is doing when we start to, yep. to it's just like when you hear somebody quote a scripture yep. and you're like, well, I want to look it up. You're engaging even more. This is a chance to engage even more with the cross. So go to DoyleJackson.com, put in your email, you'll get this PDF. We believe it's going to bless your life. And now back to our conversation with Dr. Albert Muller, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. You know, I, I talk to people and they say, you know, I really don't see much of this. Well, they just spent, you know, five days in a row playing a full round of golf. Yeah. No wonder they don't feel anything. They have, they've bought themselves into a position where they don't have to worry about these things. Well, if they care about their grandkids, they better be very concerned about That's these right. things. That's right. That's yeah. right. So I, th- I think that the, the greatest concern I have right now, and of course, it's all the giant theological issues, uh, maintaining the faith once we're all delivered to the saints, uh, that's the perpetual challenge to the church. But I'm most concerned about, I think, what is a misreading about our current moment. Okay, and the other question is, what mm-hmm. gives you hope right now when you look at the church? You know, the Lord Jesus Christ seems to have a pattern of bringing glory to Himself by saving his church from disaster. Mm-hmm. And, and w- whether it's the disaster of false doctrine or something else. And so I firmly believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in his church in whatever opposition we may face, whatever loss of privilege the church may suffer, whatever marginalization may come. And so if you really are a Christian, you believe in the sovereignty of God, 
you have no category of win-loss in which there could be a loss. You just, you just know everything ultimately will be to the greater glory of God. What we're called to be is faithful. No small thing, but uh, thankfully, uh, we, we don't actually keep the score. Yeah. When I was thinking about when, when you were talking about just the, the fragility of the church mm-hmm. or the fragility of life today, right? I think about the fragility of the church because mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been a pastor now for over 30 years, and, and I think for the most part, people think the church is strong, and I look at it every week and I'm like, God, this is a miracle. We made it through another week. Yeah, because we rely on volunteers. We we rely right. on people to give their finances. You know, every time we gather as a group of people, uh, at least at my church, you know, it it takes well over a hundred volunteers to make that happen, and they're just choosing to show up and to work right. together. And I'm amazed by that. So that it gives me hope, mm-hmm. but it keeps me on my knees right. because I have to I have to trust God for that, and I. I'm assuming for you, it's the same way as the president of a seminary. You know, there, there's there's a lot of things that keep you on your knees, and yet give you hope at the same time. Yeah, you know, uh, one aspect of that for me is I thought, you know, after 20 years on this job, it would kind of get easier. <laughs> well, now I've been here 30 years, it just gets harder. It does. Now, don't hear me to be complaining, no. because I wouldn't trade this for anything. No. But Man, it's like culture and events and everything else are conspiring to make everything more difficult. It is. Um, but evidently, you know, uh, we're to be faithful in this, and we we are able to be faithful by the power of Christ because He hasn't left us. Yeah. He's He hasn't left us here. He's put us here. Yeah. And so, yeah, I and I, I know what you mean about the fragility of the church. And I think that's a good thing for us to keep in mind, because it's Christ who said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against that's it. That's right. But that does mean, number one, the gates of hell are trying to prevail against it. They are. <laughs> it also means that, but for Christ, the gates of hell would prevail. So all praise to Christ. He will protect his church. But Christ is the only explanation for why the church does not disappear and go extinct in any given generation. That's right. We believe mm-hmm. in the power of Christ Jesus. Right. It, it's, it's not a myth. Right. As some people would have us uh, believe. That it's not just a glib assertion. It's not no, a bumper sticker. No. Jesus uh, Christ is Lord, and thus we're saved. And by the way, that's all we've got. We have faith yeah. in something that is real. Mm-hmm. It's, not, uh, right. it's not an imagination. People think that our faith is, is not real, but it, it's real every day. Yeah. It's powerful. So, so tell me this. Um, mm-hmm. How do you... How do you cultivate uh, your relationship with God after 30 years in this position, as difficult as it is? Well, in one sense, gratitude means that it's sweeter and deeper and more natural, you know, because Mm -hmm. I don't have to think about it strategically the way I did when I was 16 or 17 and first learning these things, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's good. The other thing is, is that um, I, I've learned several things in my life about how my devotional life has to be grounded and, and expressed. Yeah. You know, just concretely, I was told when I was a teenager that if you really wanted to obey Christ and honor God, you had a very, very early morning time of prayer and Bible reading. 
well, I'm a night person. No. I failed in mourning. Yeah. Even when I was there, I wasn't there. Yeah. And so I just kind of learning, the older I get, the more I learn, okay, it, uh, I, 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 I want to be at my best when I'm reading Scripture. I want to be at my best when I'm praying. I want to be mm-hmm. at my best. And I mean, you know what I mean there. I want to be as, as there as I can possibly be. That's right, be. fully present. Right. I've also been through crises, mm-hmm. um, health crises. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, uh, I've been through the experience of being not only a husband, but a father, and now a grandfather. And all of that just plays into it. And so there's a lot more me in one sense. I hope that doesn't sound egotistical. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean is there's more gratitude on my heart when I now approach the throne of grace mm-hmm. than it was when I was 18 or 17. There's a lot of expectation when you're 17. There's yeah. a lot of gratitude yeah. at this stage of life. That's good, mm-hmm. yeah. I just took a young man. Uh, we took a team yeah. to Africa, and um, there's this young man that wanted uh-huh. to go. He's 18 years old. And oh, yeah. He's homeschooled, and he was all in to go. Yeah. And I just loved his enthusiasm. Yeah. And I love his questions, and he is the perfect picture of what you're talking yeah. about. He is so excited. And so I just try to keep throwing gasoline on him so he'll right. keep burning, you know? Right. And, and, and that, that sounds like the Apostle Paul, right? Yeah, you know, Timothy, Fan to flame. very, very young. Yes, and and, and and Timothy and Titus, you know, he yeah, that's to whom he gave the advice to flame the to fan the flame. Yeah, you know, just the, you you look at these young men that that Paul had around him, and I'm I'm sure that made Paul more mm-hmm. faithful. Yeah, you know, but the other thing is, yeah, there's there's such great hope in this. That's a great joy of being a seminary and a college president. I know, I get to see these young guys at, at uh-huh. the college, young men and young women in particular, but especially those called to preach. I mean, I think they're a lot more faithful yeah. and a lot more mature than my generation was showing up at seminary. They, they, they've been more battle-hardened already. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, you, mm. you probably mean more to each and every one of them than you know, because mm. I remember Dr. Cooley, and mm. um, he, he invited a group of us to his home one night, mm-hmm. and I remember sitting on his floor, because there were that many of us just sitting yeah, on the yeah. floor of his house, and... I felt so much love and appreciation from him. Um, I just, he was such an encouragement to me. I graduated and I went to Israel to study it uh, on Mount Zion at, um, it was called the American Institute back then. And um, I remember picking up the phone in Israel and calling him. Oh, wow. and, And talking to him from Israel and saying, hey, thank you for uh, encouraging me to take this step, mm-hmm. you know. And so bless you for the influence you're having on their life and know this. They may not... I, I, it took me till that time to call him and thank him and, and really... I, I matured enough. Well, you know, one of the joys of being a semi-president, as long as I have been, mm-hmm. is that I get to see these young guys have mature ministries of their own. I know. You know. I got students who are grandparents. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, alumni, you know, yeah. graduates, graduates who are grandparents. Um, and by the way, it's very gratifying. It to is to see their children come as students. Oh wow! You know that that's really sweet. So no, I'm very very thankful, and uh, yeah, and and that's one of the reasons why I'm hopeful. By the way, that's right. Because I I I see the evidence of Christ's faithfulness in this generation of young Christians. Yes, and. Uh, a couple of things about them, by the way. I said, I said they've kind of been battle-tested. 
The other thing is their parents taught them better than previous generations of Christian parents, just on average. Okay. Uh, so, and, 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 of course, that's kind of a selection problem. The young people who come to us are likely to come from very seriously-minded Christian homes. Yeah. But at the same time, I just see the result of that. I want to say to moms and dads, you know, you got a 10- and a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, and you say, I don't know you're making any headway. i got to tell you, I get to see them when they're 17, 18 years old, mm-hmm. and, boy, you made a lot of headway. That's right. Yeah. So what would you say? Let's say there's a young man or young woman that's listening today, and they uh-huh. feel like, okay, God is calling me. I'm going to be a yeah. part of church ministry in some way, yeah. shape, or form in the future. Yeah. What would your advice to be if they're a teenager right now? What would you tell them to do? Yeah, well, number one, uh, I would say it is a good thing uh, to want to be fully deployed in Christ's service. Mm-hmm. If you're a believer, that's just an astoundingly good thing, period. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have to think a lot about this because this is where I live every day mm-hmm. and have for decades now. I would simply say, first of all, the Christian ministry is biblically qualified. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not just a volunteer thing. It's not just no. a vocation. It is a calling in the truest sense of vocation, voca, calling. So that was part of our conversation with Dr. Albert Muller, Pastor yeah. Doyle. You uh, enjoyed your time with him? I really did. I, I I really feel like he would be a great guy to go to dinner with. I would love to sit down and just spend the whole evening asking him questions and talking to him. He was busy the day I met with him, and so we, you know, we just got to do the interview, and he had to go. But you know, he's written nine books. He's written, literally written thousands of articles. Uh, he's he's got a book right now. It's called "Tell Me the Stories of Jesus," and he goes through the parables. Um, he's somehow uh, connected with World Magazine. If you've heard of that mm-hmm, magazine, yeah. he this past year he really kind of put a fire under Andy Stanley over his issue of approaching, you know, gay uh, relationships and welcoming and affirming. He's taken a real difficult stand at times for a biblical worldview, and so I really encourage people to get to know Dr. Albert Moeller. He's He's taking uh, an important place right now in America. Yeah, he's got some things to share with us. We appreciate that. We have some things to share with folks as well. We just started uh, a new series here on Your Next Step. It's called Great Hope the Cross. That's a message that you preached, and we're bringing that to you a little bit every day. But we also have a hard copy or digital copy of that sermon, Great Hope the Cross PDF. We'd love to share with people. Yeah, if you want it, we'd love to give it to you. And all you have to do is go to our website website, log in, and we'll send it to you today. So go to yournextstepnow.com. That's right, yournextstepnow.com, and ask for our free resource, and we'll get it to you today. It will be an encouragement to you. It's got a prayer in there. It's really powerful. So we'd love you to do that. Go to yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email. We will send you that PDF, and then come back because we're going to have more Your Next Step. Your Next Step with Doyle Jackson is a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued, but to help keep us on the air, visit doylejackson.com and click Give. That's doylejackson.com. You can also send a check to The Church Next Door. Our address is 5755 Fetter Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Again, that's 5755 F-E-D-E-R Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Please put radio in the memo line. Lastly, if you need prayer or have questions, text us 
at 888-644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. I'm Pastor Doug, and Pastor Doyle and I would love to see you next time for your next step.